We're always trying to break new ground here at Eurodollar University, and not just in the monetary realm, where we talk about the monetary system, that Eurodollar that's in the title of our name. We're also trying to break new ground in the macroeconomic sphere, because after all, it's money and macro. At the end of April, my sometime partner here at Eurodollar University, Mr. Stephen Van Meter, we were talking about, in joking terms, coming up with a new PMI. We modestly titled the Stephen Van Meter Disney Park Attendance PMI. What was that? Well, let's go to the video. But sometimes you got to just step out into the real economy and start to ask the questions are, is what I'm seeing in the data is real? And one thing that, you know, I kind of have a little bit of advantage here over a lot of people is I live in the vacation capital of the world. So we get to see right where I'm at, you know, if, if the economy is booming, they're coming here. And if it's not, they're leaving. On last Sunday, the volume of people here dropped off dramatically. Uh, park attendance was way down. Restaurants were not filling up. All of a sudden, it was asked this place turned into a relative speaking ghost town compared to normal. This never happens at this time of year because we're about to head into the busy summer months, which is now getting everyone around here talking about maybe demand is actually far worse than we think. And it was just as a spring bank break bump that we had. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're going to have to develop the Stephen Van Meter Disney Park Attendance PMI to see what that data can tell us. Uh, I'm expecting you to put that together for next week's show. But no, more seriously here, I mean... It's going to be seasonally adjusted, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are in the early part of July, just a couple months later, after just a couple months after debuting the Stephen Van Meter Disney Park Attendance PMI. And don't we get confirmation? What might have been just a silly little anecdote, we get a story in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that's titled, Disney World Hasn't Felt This Empty in Years. Shorter wait times for rides and more discount offers are signs of thinning crowds at the theme parks. Not only that, not only are crowds thin right now, as Mr. Van Meter noticed in his PMI, it looks as if Disney's a bit worried about demand for later on. The article contained this little note. The Orlando area resort is even offering hotel discounts around Christmas, typically a peak period. As Steve was saying, from his own perspective, as well as his analysis of the economy, not just in terms of what's going on at Disney, but all around the U.S. economy, really the global economic system, we see consistent weakening. And not just in the goods economy. We've been focused on goods economy and goods deflation, such as yesterday with China's PMI. But it also corresponds closely, China's PMI, as well as the weakness to problems in the services economy. And if people aren't taking vacations at Disney in the summertime, that's one of those that you have to stand up and pay attention to because it's not an outlier. More and more data in the services economy as well as the global economy that keeps telling us things are moving in the wrong direction, even accelerating to the point that we need to be more concerned than just the mild recession that Jay Powell and the FOMC have penciled in for us. Along those lines, today we got data, consumer sentiment from IBD or Investment Investor Business Daily. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University, memberships available, exclusive content on, as I mentioned at the introduction, the Eurodollar, what it is, the global reserve currency, what is it supposed to do and how is it supposed to do what it's supposed to do? Content on that for our members is available at the website. 
We also have research subscriptions. I do a daily briefing in partnership with marketsinsiderpro.com. You can check that one out. And I also have a research subscription, a daily deep dive analysis, where we dive deep into money as well as macro, always trying to make break new ground in both of those. Information available for you on memberships and the research subscriptions at eurodollar.university. Their consumer confidence number. Consumer confidence for July slipped a little bit to 41.3 from 41.7, but that had been, that had been as high as 47.4 back in April because as consumer price pressures fell off, disinflation, consumers got a little bit more optimistic about the state of the economy. But ever since April, around the time of our debut of Van Meter's Disney Park uh, PMI, Consumer confidence has slipped back down to 41.3, which is only a couple points off last year's record lows. So consumers are now more pessimistic, but it isn't about consumer prices. As IBD said, the economy continues to be the number one issue for Americans as we prepare for earnings season and new inflation data. Nope, it's not about consumer prices anymore. We see that repeatedly. It's now about global recession. We got all a whole bunch of in, uh, interesting statistics and results, which unfortunately keep pointing us in that direction. Not a mild recession, but a deflationary one. Consumer credit, cyclical indicator in terms of consumer demand for credit, as well as, as, well as the proclivity and willingness of banks to supply it. As far as result, revolving consumer credit in the month of May, that's the latest statistics from the Federal Reserve, revolving credit wasn't awful, it wasn't bad, but at $8.5 billion, that's an $8.5 billion increase in the seasonally adjusted aggregate level, that's among the weaker of the past year or so. It brings the six-month average down to $10.3 billion, which is still relatively high, but it's heading lower, and that's the lowest since January 2022. Now we typically see this at the end of business cycles where consumers, they splurge using credit cards one last party, one last go around before the recession ends up hitting. Saw that in 2007 leading into 2008 and I believe that's what we saw late in 2022 heading into 2023. But the big one was non-revolving credit. Non-revolving credit, the seasonally adjusted aggregate balance, that actually declined declined by 1.3 billion, which is 1.3 billion doesn't sound like a lot, but it, the fact that there was a negative number on the monthly change, that was already highly unusual. How unusual is a negative month for revolving credit or non-revolving credit? The last time we saw that was just the one month in 2020, which was April 2020. And before that, we've got August 2011, the credit crisis and monetary crisis in August 2011. And then you've got August, November, December 2008, as well as several months in 2009. So you don't see negative values, negative monthly changes in non-revolving non consumer credit, except during some of the worst times in recent economic history. And we also know that it's likely to have been auto loans because most non-revolving consumer credits, either student loans or it's auto loans. And it's, not, not likely that anything has changed as far as student loans in the month of May, 
Though we do have confirmation that something weak, weakening, real substantial weakening, is going on in the auto side. Because in an unrelated statistic, not related to the consumer credit numbers, we also have used car prices. And used car prices, according to Mannheim's Used Vehicle Index, which tracks the wholesale value of car prices, used car prices, throughout the United States, that one absolutely plummeted in June, 4.2% down just in June alone, which was the largest monthly decrease since, again, April of 2020. So maybe there is something to this credit that's breaking down, in, certainly in the automobile sector, where we see prices going lower, we see credit going down, we see consumers getting a little bit nervous about higher rates, as well as maybe what's going on in the labor market, as well as credit providers who are taking a second look at maybe issuing riskier loans or any loans whatsoever and saying, even though rates are up and it should be more profitable to do so on a risk adjusted basis, it actually isn't because risks are up maybe more than rates are in perceptions that is. That means for Jay Powell and the FOMC, as far as used car prices falling, it's likely to hit the CPI and the PCE deflator over the months ahead. Even though the CPI for April and May, that had been up, used car prices in the CPI in April and May had been up 4% in each month. That's gonna turn around, which means that used car prices, like the Mannheim wholesale number is telling us, as the non-revolving credit number is telling us, weakness in the automobile sector, contributing to disinflation in consumer price numbers. Maybe we'll see that tomorrow in the CPI, very likely to see it. But the implications are much broader than either the auto sector or the CPI. We're not specifically interested in what's going on necessarily in consumer prices. Because remember what the theory here is, the economic theory as well as the inflation theory that most economists and policymakers are using. What they're saying is that we have a tight labor market and that we have this danger of a tight labor market and stubbornly high, especially consumer price rates, that are gonna to contribute to rising inflation expectations. And that rising, especially core consumer price rates, somehow reflect on the economy that, that consumers are going to feed back, that's gonna feed back into consumer perceptions and unanchor these expectations. And according to this theory, that will lead to something like the 1970. Of course, that's not how inflation works, but that's how policymakers have to believe inflation works because they don't understand the monetary system. They certainly don't monitor or regulate it. So what they're left with is this, this ridiculous focus on the Phillips curve, as well as this expectations theory that has no basis in any reality. But setting that aside, even on its own terms, the Federal Reserve's theories on inflation risk, the whole rationale behind their rate hikes is falling apart as we sit here. Month by month, even week by week, data release by data release, it all comes apart. Now, the first part, the Phillips curve and tight labor market, we talked about that last week with the payroll reports. But how about this inflation expectations nonsense? Even though it's nonsense, the Fed pays a lot of attention to the potential possibility, the possibility that consumer price expectations really are going to unanchor. And yesterday, the Fed got data itself from its own Federal Reserve Bank, Federal Reserve Branch in New York, its survey of consumers, which showed there's no reason to be worried about inflation expectations. 
According to the median estimate for its consumer price expectations one year forward, that one fell to 3.83% from 4.07% in May. That's the lowest since April of 2021. So consumers, even though they're becoming more pessimistic, as we mentioned before, the IBD consumer confidence number, it's not because they believe that inflation is restarting or that it's inflation at all. Because when you look at short-run consumer price expectations, not only are they declining, the longer-term consumer price expectations never really got out of reach anyway, and they continue along in their normal pre-2020 range. The three-year median expectation, so consumer price expectations three-year forward, those were 2.95% in the month of June compared to 2.98% in the month of May. So basically unchanged. And again, right in that same range. So short run expectations for price increases are continually, continually moving into the disinflationary direction, while longer run price expectations have never once come close to unanchoring. They, they ticked up a bit at the worst parts of 2022, but it wasn't really all that much. And ever since really the middle part of last year, price expectations in the long run and the short run have been coming down. So the economy, it's looking more and more disinflationary because nobody's in the mood to do the spending that the Federal Reserve would need to actually make their stubborn core CPIs into a real, econ a real economic metric. Instead, we continue to see consumers who don't want to spend, who aren't spending, and aren't actually confident about doing so over the, over the months ahead. We see that in the marketplace too, not just in consumer surveys, not just the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's consumer surveys either. We've got the University of Michigan, short-run, long-run expectations are behaving exactly the same way. But in the marketplace, we've got marketplace... Uh, the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, or TIPS, the break-evens there. As of yesterday, the five-year break-even was 2.19%. The 10-year break-even was 2.25%. And don't take these literally. These are not literal predictions on what inflation is going to be over those periods. The five-year, five-year long-run forward rate, still 230, right in that same exact range. That one never really budged at all. And the only reason break-even rates are up off of their new lows or multi-year lows recently is because the Saudi Arabians or the Saudis, along with OPEC, continue to continually intervene and try to manipulate oil prices higher. If they would actually stop cutting production, oil prices would go much lower. And so would these break-even. Inflation, market-based inflation expectations, which aren't really about inflation in this instance, they're more about oil prices, those would go much lower still. They would go in the same direction as where consumer expectations are going. So the idea that the economy is still resilient, we see more and more data that shows that it's not. Uh, even some of the anecdotes that we had been mentioning for the last couple of months, Mr. Van Meter's P Disney Park PMI, is becoming more than an anecdote. It's becoming something that uh, we can see in data specifically about the Disney Park, in data specifically about the services economy, in consumer credit for goods, as well as consumer spending overall. We keep talking about nominal spending, nominal PCE that's decelerating in substantial fashion. It's all over the place. So this rationale for hiking rates doesn't match the on-the-ground conditions that we, we can find pretty much anywhere. And it's, it's even worse when we look at forward indications as we did yesterday, 
through China's prices, especially producer prices, which actually do correspond very well with global economic data, global economic circumstances. You can overlay, for example, China's, you can overlay, say the ISM's manufacturing PMI for the United States over China's PPI, and they are remarkably similar because the economy tends to be globally synchronized. An even better fit is US wholesale sales. Those are almost exact. I mean, look at how close those two line up because as the US economy gets weak, wholesale sales start to flag. That means that Chinese producers who American consumers are among their biggest customers, they have to begin discounting prices in order to accommodate or in order to try to navigate all that economic weakness. And we can also see it when we look at the ISM's non-manufacturing PMI compared to the same China, PMPP, China PPI. What that tells us is that services like manufacturing are continually getting weaker in 2022 and 2023. All the data continues to line up, not just as a mild recession as policymakers have come to realize very lately, but instead it continues to line up more and more with concerning forward-looking indicators like Disney offering discounts well into the Christmas season, which suggest more than your garden variety mild recession. The fact that we can't see it in the main statistics that the Fed tells us to watch, that's just a matter of timing. And the worst indicator you can watch as far as the economy is concerned, either for what's going on today, or what might be happening tomorrow, is any sort of core consumer price. Even consumers know there's no inflation in those stubborn core rates. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University research subscribers, Markets Insider Pro research subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members. My sincere thank you. Until next time, take care.